0: For this week's gardening session, let's talk a bit about just what's going on with the climate. Here, in a good part of the United States, was one of the most severe winters, at least for short periods we've had in um, decades. They said here more than 30 years since it got this. It was four degrees here and stayed below freezing for 139 hours. And I am literally one hour North of San Antonio, Texas. So it's supposed to be pretty mild climate normally. Actually, the topic of climate change has come to kind of get into all of our lives, not just our gardening. It's on the evening news. It's in all your social media. There's always discussions of carbon footprint and global warming. Although public controversy continues to swirl around climate change. I don't know why. The scientific consensus on climate change is solid. In a recent Pew Research Center, which incidentally is always peer reviewed, 87% of scientists indicated that the earth is getting warmer because of human activity. With the unrelenting media focus on changing weather patterns, many people are wondering whether it's time to change the way they have to garden. And, uh, in at least certain parts of the country, it probably really is. Our use of fossil fuels has undeniably increased the amount of greenhouse gases, including and mostly talked about is CO2, carbon dioxide, and methane in the atmosphere. Since the Industrial Revolution, atmospheric CO2 levels have increased from around 280 parts per million, of which it was literally for hundreds of almost thousands of years. It's now up over 400 parts per million. This shift alone, has the potential to impact plants and gardening. Doing photosynthesis, leaves take up CO2 to produce sugars for plant growth, storage, and defense. Most plants, however, increase their photosynthetic rate as CO2 increases, especially now that it's beyond 400 parts per million. This results in a thing called CO2 fertilization, which is not all bad, folks, but Surprisingly, or maybe not surprisingly, many fast-growing weedy and invasive plants are able to often take way better able use of that CO2 than the particular desirable plants that we want in our gardens. And yes, folks, it's also from the scientist. The other issue with increasing CO2 is its ability to trap heat near our Earth's surface. The greenhouse effect. Think about it. Think of your automobile sitting in the sun with the windows closed. By now, most people are familiar with some of the most widely cited projections that average global temperatures will rise by up to 2 degrees centigrade, for those of us Yankees here in the United States, almost 4 degrees, 3.8 degrees Fahrenheit by the middle of this century. The challenge for us gardeners looking into the future, however, is much more than just rising temperatures. Two key concerns are increasing temperatures in winter and increasing weather extremes. We all saw that this year all over this country. For the sake of brevity here, I'm going to skip all the pros and cons and just accept the fact, folks, that it's getting warmer. Weather extremes are going to be greater. The swings are going to be... Sometimes you're going to have colder this year, for instance, we are weather than we've ever had, and the minute you do that, the the naysayers, well, where's global warming? It was here when it was the coldest we've ever had down here in recent history. It was the warmest in Alaska it's ever been in recent history. Think about it, folks. That warm bubble. There is an effect called the Arctic vortex, which we hardly ever saw. Matter of fact, we didn't see it. In, until 100 years ago or so ever, even though it existed. But it pushed that super, super cold air down on top of us because that warm air was settled into the Arctic. Remember, folks, warm air goes up, cold air goes down, and that's how we ended up in three and four degree temperatures in this part of the country that wiped out plants that have been living here 100 years and they're gone. Well, that's sort of enough about the idea of climate change. Rest assured, it's here, folks. And because of that, increased variability in our future weather and patterns is going to be a big problem. It's going to be a daunting challenge for a lot of gardeners. The thing is, if we only had to contend with consistent, gradual warming, we could simply go borrow plants from another part of the country, from the south if you're too far north, or if you're down here in the south, sometimes things going to get drier and hotter than ever. We'll figure that out. But as this past brutal winter demonstrated, pushing the USDA hardiness zone, which they did about five years ago, can really have some alarming consequences. Here's the catch. I don't think they... They took into consideration. The problem is that plants don't respond to averages. They respond to extremes. There were countless examples of trees and shrubs that flourished on relatively mild winters in the whole 30 years prior to this happening. They just didn't make it. They just weren't acclimated enough to be able to take such drastic weather change. Ultimately, I guess what we've got to realize is adapting gardening practices to climate change is becoming an exercise in managing risk. And like managing other types of risk, diversity is the best tool gardeners have for dealing with climate change. So, maintaining a high level of plant diversity will also provide some of a hedge against some of the new insect pests that may turn up as their ranges expand due to the change in the weather. Gardeners can mix in experimental warmer zone plants while building a foundation of what I call tried and trues for the area. Annuals and herbaceous perennials make really good candidates for experimentation since they can exploit longer growing seasons and warmer summers without being really subjected to the vagaries of a a sudden February cold snap. Of course, we tend to want what we can't have, don't we all? And some homeowners will want to push their zone for trees and shrubs as well. The key is to not bet more than you can afford to lose if that's what you're going to try. So knowing and understanding your site will become kind of an increasingly important thing for you as a gardener. Nearly every climate models predicted now predict an increase in extreme rainfall events. So many stress-tolerant traits in plants are a matter of degrees. But flood tolerance is often a yes-no response. Plants that are not flood tolerant can be lost after even short periods of inundation. Be sure to know what plants need to be kept high and dry just to be safe. Let me recommend here one thing that I think will help extend your success in gardening most anywhere you're living. That's mulch. Because mulch in the face of climate change is kind of this whole idea of like, take two aspirin and call me in the morning. But a proper layer of good ground bark or wood chip mulch can very well become your best friend, as never before. The ability to mulch to conserve moisture will be critical during intense drought, especially in beds where irrigation may not be practical or you just just can't do it. Research has shown that mulch can reduce summer soil temperatures by at least 20 degrees, and in the winter... Mulch provides an insulating layer that can prevent frost heaving and protect roots of woody and stemmy plants and herbaceous perennials. Mulch also helps to keep weeds in check, which will be even more important as weeds become increasingly aggressive, again, due to the more efficient use of CO2. So that's sort of a um, two cents in climate change gardening. Just be considerate of it. Look for your extremes. average temperature in general will be going up as things move on, but there will be these extreme colds that I'm not sure I even remember the prediction of this 30 years ago, but now that it's happened actually about three out of the last five years, at least in part of our continent, in my mind, at least it's going to be an ever-upcoming problem maybe more often and more often that we're just going to have to learn to contend with. So maybe that's a little different from my regular show, but it is my contribution to your gardening efforts for the foreseeable future, and I don't see it changing very much. I've got about three moments here, about three minutes exactly, before I have to break away. And let's just give you a little uh, one more hint for your garden that I don't know that we stop and talk about very often. So here are some general principles to guide your care and feeding not of your plant exactly, but of your soil. Remember, if you'll feed the soil, the soil will help protect and certainly feed your plants. Forest folks like me that was yet raised years ago on the farm, we, we plowed and when you needed to do something else, you plowed again. Well, that's uh, some old science. The soil dwellers you want to feed are among the tiniest creatures on earth, and so they are easily harmed. Rototillers, blowers, and shovels really wreak havoc on their bodies and upend their entire habitat. Gardeners will inevitably disturb the soil a little when they pull the weeds and you you dig planting holes. But we can skip more destructive practices such as tilling compost into the soil. You don't have to do that, folks. Or bagging up every leaf that falls to the ground. Let Mother Nature put it back where it's supposed to go. If you don't get anything else from this little two-minute stop, remember this. Bare soil is like an empty cupboard for soil life. Applying a variety of organic mulches provides a steady food supply for the decomposers, the predators that consume them, and the organisms that consume their waste products. The roots of living plants ensure that exudates, is the fancy word for it, flow into that that living area, that rhizosome sphere year-round for your garden. And one more point to consider. A garden filled with a variety of plant species translates into a diet for soil dwellers that is diverse in terms both of organic matter and plant exudates. This stocks your soil with allies ready to take on pests or pathogens that happen to get into your garden. For those of us that have gardened for years, we know there's no guarantees when it comes to gardening. But your best insurance policy is this. Healthy, well-fed soil dwellers, they come courtesy of nature's time-tested ways. Mother nature knows best. So cut down on your digging. Cover the soil. Keep it covered. Grow diversity. Soil primed with the underground community on which plants depend. Depend translates into a garden of so views with good looks, vibrancy, longevity and in the case of gardening for food, healthier food for you, the microbes, the bacteria, the beneficial insects and the health of that all little that total little ecosystem that you call your garden. <music>